So we're in week three of our series, The Road to Easter. And and so far we've kind of walked with Jesus through the Garden of Gethsemane. And and we looked at his prayer that that he did in the garden that night. And then last week we took that walk on the Via Dolorosa. And and we stopped and we met a man and his family. And and we kind of saw how, how sometimes what we think we see in just one verse is actually so much more. There's so much more to see in a verse that sometimes we miss because we don't look at the details, just like we don't look at the details in life. So today we're going to walk the road into Jerusalem with our Lord Jesus. Now kind of just to set the picture, at this time in his ministry as Jesus is taking this road into Jerusalem, it's the time of the Passover. And the Passover is one of the three feasts that that God commanded the Israelites to actually do in Jerusalem. So during this time, people from all around, Jews from all around, would come together in Jerusalem. So it was packed. It it was full of people um, inside Jerusalem, outside Jerusalem. And and by this time, they knew of Jesus. That They had heard about his miracles. They had heard about the different things he's done that they knew that he fed over 5,000 people with a few fish and a couple loaves of bread, that they've heard about his miracles, and, and they've even heard how they've raised, how he rose Lazarus from the dead, which would have happened just a couple weeks prior to actually him walking into Jerusalem. And, and this whole feast of Passover is this feast of Thanksgiving. It's this time that they're, They're thanking God for God taking them out of that bondage that they had in Egypt. And and so as they're celebrating the Passover, they're also always looking for the Messiah. They're looking for the Messiah to come in. And and upon Jesus' arrival in, they actually sing in Hosanna to the son of David. Well, Messiah, save us now. They're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for this conquering king to come in and take them again out of their suppression. As they're being suppressed by, by the Romans and they're not able to live the life that they want to live. So they kind of feel like they're almost in exile again, like when they were in Egypt. But see, Jesus didn't enter that day the way they thought. He didn't enter as this king coming in to rule. He didn't come in to remove them from that oppression from the Romans. But what he did do is he came in to die on a cross. And to actually provide them with the freedom from their sins and from death. But of course they were looking for this conquering king. They were looking for someone who would do so much more. And one of the things we'll see today is that the road into Jerusalem for Jesus was the beginning of the end of his earthly life. In less than a week of him entering into Jerusalem, he would die on a cross. But thank God we also know a week later that he will rise from the dead. So, and although it led to the cross, it it was also a road that would eventually lead him to sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So as much as the road in was not a glorious road, the ending was so much more. 
And, and I think when we take our own road into Jerusalem, it's not only going to lead us to our own deaths, death to that self-denial that we have, but it will also lead us to where God wants us for eternity. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and look at what's going on here. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry, there is one in the back of the pew, or as always, it will be a, here on the screen. So Luke 19, verses 28 through 40. When he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it just as, they, just as he had told them. As they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to, to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now as he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God, joyfully with a loud voice for all of the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, even if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Amen. So, so I think as we look at this, uh, as we go through this passage, I think there's four different things that really have stood out to me as I've read it and, and that I think we all need to take the time to look at on this road to, to Jerusalem because each one of us are actually on this same road. We're taking this same road into Jerusalem that, that Jesus took. And, and as it's part of our faith journey, I think we need to emulate what Jesus did because we're called to be more like Christ in all that we do. And I think the first thing that we see is that this was a road of humility. You know, I think of Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and when someone says that, I automatically go to Revelation. And I think of Jesus on this white stallion, clothed in white, just coming in to conquer. And that's what I think about, but that's not how he came into Jerusalem. And, and you're thinking, wait, if he is the Lord, Lord, and the King of kings, he should be coming in to conquer everything. But Jesus gave up the white horse for a donkey that had never been ridden. And instead of coming in with all this grandeur and all this richness and, and all this glory of people seeing who he was coming in, he came in on a donkey sitting on people's clothes. He came in in humility instead of grandeur. And you kind of think it kind of reflects the entire life that Jesus led. He, he wasn't born into royalty. He was born into being poor or being uh, in poverty. He, he didn't come with all of this glory around him. He came in meekness. He, he came different than what you would think. 
And his life wasn't one of fame and fortune. You know, he didn't have the top followers on Instagram. He, he didn't have all these Facebook friends and family. He came in rather quietly. He came in without all of this, and he actually lived his life outside the limelight. He, he kind of lived his life, spent that time with the Father until the Father said, it's time, and he started his three-and-a-half-year ministry. And even then, he was still out of the limelight. He would go in, teach in the synagogues, and then retreat back to the countryside. It wasn't about being a Pharisee, seeing everyone on the street corner, and everyone wanting to come and listen to his teaching where they did anyways, but he did it with a different sense than what you saw the religious leaders do, and he lived that life of humility. And you think about even when Jesus spoke about the kingdom, he talked about the kingdom being one of servanthood, uh, where we would serve each other and never about rule. It was never about ruling over anything. And, and he even told his disciples this in Matthew 18, verses 3 and 4. Truly I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, see, I, I think not only did the disciples not fully understand a lot of what Jesus had to say, I think we get it wrong a lot of times, too. I think that as, as we live in this world and, and as we go through this life, we kind of get caught up anyways. We, we get caught up in not seeing and understanding the real reason why Jesus came. And, and if we're going to be more like Jesus, what we should do. And even on the last night of Jesus was here on earth. He washed his disciples' feet. He was doing all this for him, and they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. So they missed it. They'd been with him for three and a half years, seeing the life he lived, and they were worried about who's going to be the greatest. In other words, they had that pride inside of them, that same pride that a lot of us have inside our own lives, where who's going to be the greatest? Who, who's got the most say? Who's got the most power? And, and ultimately... Uh, they didn't understand this, this road into Jerusalem was this road of humility and that Je the road of humility that Jesus was walking was the same one that we should walk. And, and unfortunately, I think in, in a lot of our cases, we got to get off our own white horse because many of us ride that white horse of pride into our lives and we need to get off that white horse and just get on a great donkey of humility. If Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, can come into Jerusalem on a donkey showing his humility, why do we ride on a white horse? Why do we stand on that pride in our life? And unfortunately, society says you should do that, but that's not what Jesus calls us to do. And if we're to take this road into Jerusalem like Jesus did, we need to get on that donkey of humility as we go in and put those thoughts of glory aside. And remember, the only one to be glorified is him, never us. It's always about him. And I love the way the Apostle Paul said it. He said, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death on the cross. Jesus humbled himself. Why don't we? We get so caught up in what people think, 
what people say, what they might think of us, or, or are we, do we have the best clothes? Do we have the best house? Well, well the Joneses just bought a new car. I got to get a new one. We live on this pride of life, and unfortunately, that pride of life is exactly what the world calls us to live on. And instead of being like the world as we take this road into Jerusalem, we need to put on that humility. Put on the same thing that Jesus walked this earth with and kind of surprise some people with the humility that we have inside of us instead of being like the Pharisees in the life that they lived. And you know, I think back of you think of the stories in the Bible, and they've actually got that story of the Pharisee and the tax collector when they come into the synagogue. You know, they come in to pray. And the Pharisee comes up there, and the Pharisee's dropping his money inside there, and his prayer is, God, thank you. He's boasting on himself. I give all of this. I do this. I do that. I do this. And I'm not like those sinner tax collectors as he's making this mockery in the front of the church, and, and, and people are looking because he's, oh my God, he's a Pharisee. Look at what he's done. What you do will not get you into heaven. Your works will never get you there. And then if you notice, the tax collector was in the back of the synagogue. He was in the back. His head was down. He, he started to beat his chest. Forgive me, God. He knew he was a sinner. He knew where he was at, he knew what he was doing, and he knew that what he was doing was wrong, and he asked for that forgiveness. And you notice, Jesus noticed that. Jesus noticed the humility that the tax collector came with. He noticed it, and Jesus actually said he was just, he would be justified before God because of his humility. Because of knowing he was a sinner, who needed a Savior. And unfortunately, like I said, a lot of us, we're still riding that white horse and we think we're our own Savior. The only Savior in our life is Jesus. And we got to always hold on to that. And even, I mean, you look at Jesus, Jesus even talks about he may sit high, but he's with the low. In Isaiah 57, 15, it actually said this. I live in that high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I refresh the humble and I give new courage to those with repentant hearts. So he, he lives in them high places. We know he sits at the right hand of God. He's in those high places. But you think about it, he dwells in the lowliest of places. He dwells with those whose hearts are humble. He dwells with those whose hearts are contrite. He doesn't dwell with the proud. He doesn't, he, he leans towards those who are contrite, those who are asking for that mercy, those who have humbled themselves before him. Instead of being the Pharisee standing up there, look at what I've done, it was the tax collector in the back of the room who knew he was a sinner. He asked for that forgiveness. And that's the kind of heart that each one of us have to have as we go through this life. So, so we see the road into Jerusalem was this road of humility. 
Well, also as we went down this road, Jesus actually coming in upon a cult of a donkey fulfilled prophecy. So the road into Jerusalem is also a road of fulfillment. So as you look back, there's over 300 different prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament. And this being one of them, that he would come in riding on the riding in on the colt of a donkey. And it's back in, <clears throat> there was a mathematician who actually decided, hey, I need to find out what are the statistical probabilities of someone not just doing 300, but let's make a small number, eight. Let's take eight prophecies of the Messiah and say if, if what's the chances of someone just getting eight of these right? And one of the eight that he included was his riding on the colt of a donkey. And he came up with this, if you took the state of Texas and covered it two feet deep in silver dollars and put an X on one of those silver dollars, and then you took someone who's blindfolded and you asked them, where do you want to be placed in the state of Texas? And you place them right there, and on their first try, they reached down, they picked up that coin that was marked. That's the odds of just fulfilling eight prophecies of the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled over 300 of them. So when you look at what he's done, he, he fulfilled the prophecies. He fulfilled what was said to be done. And, and Jesus' life was a fulfillment of God's plan for redemption for each one of us. And, and Jesus took the road into Jerusalem for our salvation. He did it for our salvation, knowing full well he was going to end up on the cross and end up dying for our sins, not his own. And, of course, that question would be for, for God to ask us, are, are, are we fulfilling God's plan for our lives, or are we fulfilling our own plan for our lives? Jesus traveled the road knowing full and well it was going to lead to the cross for our salvation. He was willing to do what God called him to do to fulfill that relationship that we lost back in the garden. Back in the garden, the relationship with man and, and God got separated because of Adam and Eve. Jesus coming to this earth was going to fulfill that and bring that relationship back whole. He had a choice in order to do it, and he agreed to do it and allows us not only to have a relationship with Jesus, but know that it's going to be for eternal life. For eternity, we will spend our life with Jesus, praising and glorifying him. And I like what it says in John 15, 16. Jesus actually said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in your name, he will give you. And after telling, telling us that, that we've been saved by faith, not through grace, the Apostle Paul actually said this in Ephesians 2.10, uh, 2, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Part of God's fulfillment for us is for us doing what he calls us to do and to listen to the Holy Spirit that he has given us. 
if you remember when Jesus left, he says, I'm going to send you the comforter. So, so them times that we're going through this life and life is hard, we've got the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lift us up. The Holy Spirit is the one who will guide us and, and speak to us and speak through us to where we can go and do what and fulfill the plan that God has for our lives. But it's understanding and actually listening to what the Spirit tells us to do. And again, the, the Spirit coming was a fulfillment of what Jesus called us. So, so we see it's a, it's a road for fulfillment. It's a road of humility. And I think also, if you look at the life of Jesus, the road into Easter, a uh, road into Jerusalem, was actually a road of obedience. Jesus lived his life being obedient to what the Father told him to do. In John 4, 34, he said this, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And in chapter 6, 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We even saw his obedience in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Not my will, but your will. He was all about being obedient. He was all about doing what the Father called him to do. And, and while the disciples obeyed Jesus, even when he said, hey, go into town and get this, the colt of a donkey that's never been ridden. Can you imagine being a disciple? You want me to do what? You want me to go into town? You want me to steal somebody's colt and somebody's donkey? And Jesus, you know, they were obedient. Okay, Lord, you tell me to do it. And if they ask, I'm going to say that you need it. Imagine some of the things the disciples were asked to do along the way. That really made no sense. Feeding the 5,000. Put them out in small groups and I'm going to bless these fish. I'm going to bless these bread and take it out and distribute it. What, are you kidding me? But they did it, why? Because of obedience. The same thing that Jesus did, he lived that obedient life. His disciples were obedient to him. We need to do the same. We need to take that obedience. And, and even when it doesn't sound right, have, has God ever told you to do something that just don't sound right? Oh, I've been there. And you're sitting there and you're like, really, God? And then you start asking that question, is this really from God? Does God really want me to go do this? And then you find out you actually you go and you do what God called you to do, and you find out that his plan is so much bigger. What he asked you to do made zero sense to you, but then when you look back, you realize what a difference it made and how big of a difference it made, not only in your life but in other people's lives. And, and so the road, of a, the road into Jerusalem, we know also, was his road of obedience. Jesus was obedient to what the Father called him to do. I think the other thing we know is that this road into Jerusalem was a road into the destiny. It was, the, it was destined for Jesus to take this path to go into Jerusalem, fulfill the prophecies about him, to die on the cross, which also... the on the cross fulfilling prophecy to move forward into being at the right hand of the Father and giving us, providing us with that salvation. And I think, you know, the people, 
as we look at what they were doing, they were spreading their clothes, they were spreading palm leaves on the ground, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Basically, they were asking Jesus to save them now. Lord, save us now. They were so ready for him to come in, knowing that it would come in. And it was actually the words of destiny for Jesus to come in to those words. And, and, and it was destined for Jesus to die for our salvation. It was destined for him uh, from the foundation of the world. Jesus was destined to go to the cross for our plan of salvation. To die on a cross, to be raised from the dead, and be that sacrificial lamb that could never be done by humans. Could never be done by human flesh, to never be done by, we couldn't sacrifice enough lambs or goats to get that forgiveness. It took that perfect lamb, that lamb of God, in order to be able to do it. And you think about it, it's so ironic that even Pilate couldn't get rid of this scheme. Pilate figures, well, heck, I'm going to ask for the baddest dude out here. And Hey, y'all want Barabbas or Jesus? And they decided on Barabbas. So even Pilate tried to circumvent the plan, but it couldn't happen. And man, you don't think Satan wasn't happy the day that Jesus died on that cross? Satan thought that he won. But it still didn't change that destiny when Jesus rose on Easter Sunday morning. Still continued to move. It was his destiny, and it was set in place back in the garden. So what is destiny? As we talk destiny, destiny is God's purpose for each of our lives. God's purpose for each of our lives. Not our purpose, but God's purpose for each of our lives. It's what he calls us to do, and destiny is determined for us, for what we're to be and what we're to become. You know, you think about as as you look through the Bible, and there were so many people throughout God's word that had a divine destiny set to them by God. And then they let themselves get in the way. I think of King Saul, if you remember, King Saul, he was the first king chosen for the for the Israelites. And, and he was going to be this man of God, and, and God even said that he would not only speak through him, but that he would be glorified. He would give them this new heart, and he would be different and set apart from everybody else. And, and he spoke to King Saul. He King Saul was doing all this conquering, and then pride crept in. Then all of a sudden, King Saul thought it was all that he was doing himself. And he started to go against what God's will and what God's destiny was for him. And he started bringing it upon himself. And, and that it was all about his own pride, his own self-gratification. And I, 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 I. Meanwhile, God was using both him and David to conquer for the Israelite nation. But Saul got too caught up on they're praising David more than me. And in Saul's own words in, in uh, 1 Samuel 28, 20, uh, 28, 15, he actually does his own confession. He says this, God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophet nor by dreams. 
In serving himself, Saul abandoned God. How many of us in our own lives, because of our own self-gratification, because of our own self-service, have abandoned God? We've abandoned what he's called us to do. We've abandoned the destiny that he's called us to do. And, and, and we've just decided we're going to do it on our own. And, and instead of going back and looking through God's word and seeing all these other people that tried to do it on their own and that failed miserably, for some reason we think we're better. We're smarter. We're more educated. We've got so much more at our disposal. Oh, we won't mess up the way they did. But as soon as that self-gratification comes in, as soon as that pride comes in, we start getting away from the will of God and we start to miss the destiny that He called us to. Because we get in our own way. As I said, just like King Saul, we become so worried about ourselves than about anybody else. You know, each of us has our own, own destinies. Each of us has our own talents and and the thing that God's going to use us for. And we all have ultimately one fixed and one predetermined destiny. And that is to spend eternity with Jesus. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Our destinies have a lot to do with what God called us to do. God called each one of us to do things here on this earth. And God has called each one of us to serve him for eternity in heaven. That's what we're all called to do. Every one of us here are called to serve him through eternity in heaven. But of course, the question is, will we all reach that destiny? Unfortunately, no. There are people who will not reach that destiny because they will not go on what God's word says. They're going to live on what they believe. They're going to deny, not deny themselves, but deny the existence of God they're going to want everything I want. I want it now. I want it here. I want this now. I'm not worried about eternity. And they're going to get eternity, but it's not going to be in heaven. Their eternity will be in hell. There will be an eternity, just not the same eternity as us. We all have the same destiny. It's just a matter of do we choose it. It's a choice. Jesus easily could have chosen not to take that road into Jerusalem. He could have chose not to do it. But he went with what the Father's will was instead of what his own will was. We have a choice on our destiny. Do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and do what God's called us to do here while we're on this earth so that then we can spend our eternity with him in heaven? Or do you want pride? You want your white horse now? You want all your grandeur, all your riches? You, you want to sit on that white horse instead of that donkey of humility? Because many of us choose that path. 
The road to Jerusalem is a choice. It's a choice that each one of us have to make. What's your choice today? Have you accepted Jesus Christ and, and decided to live your life like he did? Are you going to live that life for humility? Or are you going to live a life that the world calls and be prideful? Are you going to walk that road into Jerusalem the same way Jesus did on that donkey of humility? Or do you want to come in and let everyone know you're here on a white horse? Only one of those two roads leads to eternity in heaven. Which road are you going to choose? Which road have you chosen? Or maybe you said, hey, you know, Pastor, I've accepted Jesus, but man, my pride's in the way. I worry more about me than anybody else. I, I understand it's a road of humility, but, but I like the high road. Because it makes me able to look down on everybody. I like the high road because, you know, it, it, it makes people have to look up and serve me. The only person we should be serving is Jesus Christ. That's who we're called to serve. So sooner or later, some people who are trying to take that high road and, and be able to be a subject for everyone else to see is going to fall. Now the grace of God is he's going to be there to catch you. He's going to be there to catch you. He's going to be there to when you ask for that forgiveness to give it to you. But you have a choice. Which choice would you rather take? Would you rather take the choice and take the road into Jerusalem the way Jesus did or the way we did? Ultimately, we all have that choice. Will we continue to go the way of the world and have a different destiny than what God has planned for you, or will you choose to follow and obey and have heaven and eternity with God as your ultimate destination? Each of us are traveling a road. Which road are you going to take? It may not be written in gold. You may not have markers with an arrow saying, go this way. But what we do have is the spirit inside of us telling us which way to go. The question is, are you listening to what the spirit tells you to do? Or have you squashed the spirit inside of you because you've been going your own path for so long that you no longer hear his voice or you no longer pay attention to what the Spirit calls us to do. Which road are you taking into Jerusalem? I know for me, I've been on both. I've been on that pride road. I've been on the other road the road of humility. I've been on the white horse. I've been on the donkey. The donkey may not bring you everything you want in this world. But remember, what's in this world will pass away. We don't get to take it with us. It's all going to pass away, and we're called to be obedient to what God calls us to do. 
And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, well, Pastor, that's real good, but I haven't met Jesus yet, or I kind of know who he is, and, and I know these stories, and, but, but I've never asked him to be my personal Lord and Savior, so where am I at? Well, you're coming up on your road into Jerusalem, and you have a choice. You can choose to follow Jesus and, and know that it's going to be not the easiest road to take, because being a follower of Jesus is nothing easy about it. And you can sit here and say, well, Pastor, you don't know. I'm on my road. I'm, I'm really messed up. I'm doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. And, and there's no way Jesus would accept me. Well, that's okay. I want to let you know God's Word says, for we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So if you look to your left or your right, the person next to you is a sinner also. So you're in good company because every one of us are sinners. And you may say, oh, but pastor, you don't know my sin. Guess what? I don't need to know your sin. He knows your sin, and he's big enough to forgive it. He's big enough to help take that sin and change you from the inside out to where you're able to repent and walk away from that sin. He's able to do that. He's able to give you that strength. He loved you enough that God's word says that he sent his one and only son to the cross to die for your sins. And it simply says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not a magic handshake. It's not a secret dance. It's confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart. And it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds like one of them too good to be truths. As seen on TV. That's how simple it is. The easy part is the confession and the acknowledgement. The hard part is the road into Jerusalem. Walking with humility. Walking knowing that there's a destiny for you. Knowing that the Holy Spirit's going to guide you. Knowing that you're probably going to have to do things that sound a little crazy. That don't make any sense. But knowing that His plan is bigger than yours. So the beginning is to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And you can do that today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So at the end of service, there will be prayer partners up here. And if you never accepted Jesus, you can come up here. And they will be more than happy to pray with you and for you. And welcome you to our messed up, jacked up family. Because we're messed up and we're jacked up, but we're all loved. We're loved by a God who loves us with a love we can't even understand. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, well, Pastor, that's me. I've been on my white horse for so long. I even named it. And, and Pastor, I don't want to get off this white horse and get on that gray donkey. But I know the Spirit's been, been prompting me for a long time that, that I need to truly follow what God's Word calls me to follow. 
So maybe if you're on that white horse and you need to step off of it today, same thing. There'll be prayer partners up here. You can come up here and they'll pray with you and for you. And maybe it's that time of confession of, because my, my pride is too much, I, I need to get rid of it. It starts with that confession, then the repentance, and then moving on. Or maybe you just, something's going on in your life, like at the beginning of service, we all got junk going on. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you. I want to encourage you, at the end of our, at the end of my prayer, when I say amen, you're free to go. There'll be a worship song still going on. You're more than welcome to stay here and worship. But you can go ahead and leave. And while everyone's leaving, whoever needs prayer, just swim upstream. Everyone else going that way, come this way and come up here and see one of these prayer partners that's up front. And follow your destiny today. Follow the destiny that God has called for you. Part of your destiny is accepting Jesus. Part of your destiny is getting off your white horse. Part of your destiny is hearing his voice. Whatever it is, make that move today. And I'm going to ask Valerie, Maureen, and John to come up front. And before I pray, just remember during this week, as you're out there, we're going into Good Friday and Easter. Can I get the scripture? Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know, you preach the gospel with your words and your actions. Your actions are actually more than your words. Are you living that life of humility? Are you on the donkey or the white horse? Which of the two do you think spreads the gospel more? Take time this week to spread the gospel. Easter's coming. People will open their ears. They'll open their hearts to receive it. Preach the gospel this year, this week. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we just thank you. We thank you that you were obedient. We thank you that you walked in humility. We thank you that you show us and tell us what our destiny is and that we're able to see that you fulfilled your destiny with what the Father asked you to do. Lord, I just ask that if there's someone in this room that's not living their destiny, that's not living what you have ordained them to do because of themselves, Lord, that they'll make that move today. Lord, whether it's a matter of accepting you as their personal Lord and Savior or getting down off that white horse, or whatever, maybe you've called them to do something, they're just not being obedient. Lord, that you will bring it to mind and that they will take the step starting today to do what you've called them to do. That they will seek you with their whole hearts. That they will seek you, that they will find you. And Lord, that you will do amazing things through each one of us. Lord, I ask that you bless us during the week. Keep us safe as we walk our road into Jerusalem and walk our road into Easter. And Lord, we love you. We seek to honor, praise, and glorify you in all that we do. And make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Go. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if 
If you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.